What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? You guys awake here? Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us this morning as we are in week three of a series we're calling Advanced. Before we dive into today, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location, man. We love you guys. So glad you're joining with us today. And, and I believe that... Uh, uh, this, this year is going to be the best year ever. And, and, and as we're diving into this series called Advance, this series is really birthed out of this idea of behind the word advance. It means to move forward in a purposeful way. And as I thought about people's lives and, and just being somebody that has a, a different perspective, I see a lot of people with a lot of movement in life. I see people with a lot of activity in life, but not necessarily making forward progress in a purposeful way in their lives. And I thought to myself, so, man, this, this is the year that I believe that God really wants to do that. And it was birthed out of a scripture in Ephesians chapter three, where the apostle Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. And he, he says, hey, listen, uh, I, I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved. Like, I, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, but there is one thing that I'm going to do. And, and, and I think for us this year, there's going to be one thing that we're going to do. And he says, man, we're going to forget what is behind us. We're going to forget about our past successes. We're going to forget about our past failures, failures but we're going to press on. We're going to move forward. We're going to advance this year into the upward call that God has for us. And that is my prayer for us as a church, is that this would be the year that we'd say, you know what, we're going to push past all the stuff, all the things that are to the left and to the right. And we're going to see God move in our lives like never before. And so that is my hope for every single one of us. Now today, I, I want to start off by asking you a question. And the question is this, have you ever considered or have you really ever thought about the fact that your life is the result of your patterns? Like, like where you are in your life right now is the result of the patterns you have. You may call them routines. You may call them disciplines. But I would say that they are patterns. And right now, where you are is the culmination of all the patterns that you have in your life. Like where you are financially right now is the culmination of your spending patterns, the culmination of your saving patterns, the culmination of your working patterns. Uh, where you are right now in your physical life is the culmination of your eating patterns. It's the culmination of your workout patterns. It's the culmination of your sleep patterns. Why? Because what, everything, we are the byproduct of our patterns. Somebody say patterns. patterns. Come on, say patterns. patterns. We all have them. Every single one of us has some patterns in life. Like you have a morning pattern, whether you recognize it or not. In fact, your brain doesn't even really have to be on in your morning pattern for some of you. Some of you guys, the alarm goes off, you slam your hand down on the alarm clock, you don't even open up your eyes and you start walking through your house, you navigate downstairs and around furniture all the way to that coffee pot and you hit brew. Come on, somebody, you have a morning pattern that you don't even think about. Some of you students, you have some school patterns. You get on a bus or mom and dad drop you off and you go to a certain locker first and then you go to this group of friends. Why? Because you have a pattern. 
You have work patterns. You show up to work. You set your stuff down. You go over to the water cooler. Why? Because we have patterns and our lives are made up of our patterns. In fact, you don't even have to be OCD and you're still going to have some patterns in life because our life is made up of patterns. And, and I want to go a little bit deeper, though, than just the kind of exterior things that happen in our life and, and just the routines. Like there are patterns in our life to how we deal with relational conflict. Like when relational conflict comes, we all have patterns. Some of us, our pattern when conflict comes is we run from it. Like we take off the other direction. Like we don't want anything to do with conflict. Others of us, our pattern is, is when we see conflict, like we're like, yeah, like let's go fight, right? Why? Because we have patterns. Some of, we have some internal thought patterns. You, we talked about this last week. We're, we're going in circles because of the patterns that we have when it comes to our thinking. We all have default patterns when it comes to somebody hitting one of those buttons in our life. And for some of us, when they hit that button, man, we get hot and we kind of blow up and, and things go on. And, and, and so we all have patterns. And I want to talk to us today about a pattern that I think a lot of us have that is hindering us from advancing forward in life. And so what I want to talk to you today is about this pattern of what do you do when you're offended? Didn't figure there'd be like a lot of... Like, what is your default reactionary pattern? Like, what is the one, two, three steps that you take when something offends you in life? Because the reality is, is you're not gonna be able to go through this life without dealing with some offendable moments. The question isn't, am I gonna be offended? The question is, is how am I gonna respond to the offense? Because somebody is going to stab you in the back. Somebody is going to talk about you behind their back. Somebody's going to write something on a post. Somebody is going to, they were supposed to be there for you and they weren't. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 17. He says, offenses will certainly come. Basically, Jesus said, you can bank on it. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'm really encouraged this morning. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me to church to be encouraged. But he's going, man, you're, you're, you and I are going to have the opportunity to be offended in life. Somebody's going to cut you off on 95, guaranteed. Like, someone that you love is going to turn their back on you at some point. And it's going to hurt. Like that friend that you thought was that ride or die is not going to ride. And you in that moment are going to have the opportunity to be offended. So the question is, is, is what is your pattern? And so today, here's what I want to do is I want to give you three patterns to not have that I think a lot of people, it is their natural reaction. And I wanna give, give you four steps or four steps for you to develop a new pattern when it comes to dealing with offense 
in our life. And the reason I think this is so important is because the kingdom of God in life is built relationally. And if we can't get our relational life right, it, we're gonna struggle in every other aspect of our life. So three things that we're not to do when it comes to our patterns. And, and the first one is this, if you're taking notes, which you should be. So why don't you grab those pens and that, that worship God that's on your seat. It, the first thing not to do is, is not blow up. It's not blow up. It, that, that's not a good pattern to have to just blow up, right? The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 12. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God. In other words, God will take care of it. And so our first response in life should not be, well, I'm gonna blow up. Like when somebody offends me, I, I, like your first response shouldn't be like, man, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Like when somebody offends me, like I wanna lay some hands on them, not in Jesus' name, but in TJ's name, come on. Anybody with me right there? I mean, like it's, I know that I'm not painting a good picture of myself, but I'm just being honest. Like that offense comes, I'm like, I wanna take the revenge. Like I wanna do it, but God says, no, 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 no. Here's what you need to do. You respond well, you have the right pattern and here's what I'll do, I'll take care of it. And that's hard. Because some of us, the default pattern that we have learned in life is, is that when that happens, man, we just blow up and this emotion comes out of us. And, and the reality is, is that emotion that comes out of us is really surface level. But really what's happened is, is something has gone down deep inside of us and hit a, something that's much deeper than the emotion we're showing on the surface in our reaction that we have yet to deal with. And so all of a sudden we blow up and we learned it because of, of a pattern that we saw, a parent that we were a part, we were grew up in their household or an experience we had. And all of a sudden this blow up has become our default pattern. And just like you can wake up and walk down the stairs and hit the coffee pot, when somebody offends you, you just come out of, you're like, rah! You, like you're just on them. And the Bible right here is telling us like it just doesn't work. And we continue to do it because it's a pattern. Somebody shout pattern. pattern. Second pattern that is not the pattern we want is, is it's not guess what. It's not guess what. It sounds a little bit like gossip. Yep. Oh, come on, you don't want me to preach in here today, do you? <laughs> kind of quiet. Proverbs 12, 28, it says, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Did you catch that strong language from the book of Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He says, a perverse man stirs things up. Now, I, I know some of you are like, pastor, I thought a perverse person was somebody that looked at nudie pictures, <laughs> right? That, like, that's what you thought. But it says, a perverse person stirs up dissension. In other words, have you ever had somebody walk up to you and go, hey, hey, hey guess what? And you know when they say, guess what? They're not there to solve any issue. Yeah. They're there, not there to remedy any hurt. They're not there to resolve conflict. What they're there to do is to divide and spread 
and stir up dissension. They're wanting to sow gossip into situations. And the Bible says it's a perversion. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 18. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately. What he says is he says, don't go to your friends. Don't go to your connect group. Don't go to that, that, that Facebook and post it. Don't go to your mom. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen, I'm going to give you some marriage advice right here. If every time there is tension in your relationship, you run to your parents, you're not helping your relationship because you're painting a terrible picture of your spouse to your family. And that's never going to help your marriage. He says, well, here's what you need to do. You need to go privately and point out the offense. Don't go. Guess what? In fact, in Proverbs, the Bible says that there are seven things that God hates. And the seventh is an abomination to him. And the seventh thing is stirring up division among the family of God. Guess what is actually an abomination to God? And so when you're offended and you want to go rally the troops, you want to go get people on your side, you want to have people have a pity party with you because that is your pattern, I'm just telling you right here and right now, it doesn't lead to anything healthy in your life. So, so it's not, I'm going to blow up. I, it's, not, it's not, guess what? And the third one is, 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 is not, so what? It's not, so what? Look at this in Jeremiah. It says in Jeremiah chapter six, verse 14, my people are broken, shattered. They put on band-aids saying, it's not so bad. You'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. And isn't that what we do in life? Something happens, you're like, oh, it's no big of a deal. I, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that didn't hurt me. Really? I could kind of tell by the tone of your voice that it did, though. And what we have a tendency to do is we have the tendency to go, oh, so what? And we take the pain and we take the hurt, we take the offense and we just begin to stuff it. And we stuff and we stuff and we stuff and eventually what happens is, is we blow up because you can only stuff for so long. What the Bible is telling us is no, no, actually what we need to do is we need to go to the person and deal with it and bring a solution to the problem and not just ignore it in our life because it's not so what? Hebrews chapter 12 says, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. And listen, if this is gonna be your best year ever, then it's gotta be your best year spiritually. An offense is something that affects and impacts your spiritual life. It just doesn't affect the relationship that you're in offense with. It actually goes way deeper than that because it actually impacts you in your spiritual walk with God. It actually begins to take root and begins to spread and all of a sudden is bearing fruit in different areas of your life. And offense begins to blur and filter every conversation with every relationship you have. So it's not just impacting you and that person, it's impacting you and every person but greater than that, it's impacting you and your relationship with God. 
And you think it's just you, but it's actually you and everyone around you. So these are the three patterns that, that we don't wanna continue and if we're gonna move past the fence this year. And, and so what that means is there, there are four things we need to do. And the first thing is this, is number one, we need to realize that offense, it affects my relationship with God. And you need to listen to me because this is such a big deal because it does impact your relationship with God. You're, you're like, well, I just thought it was the person I was mad at. I, I just thought it was my cousin I don't want to see anymore. I, I just thought it was that coworker that I get mad at whenever I see them or that family member that just frustrates me. No, 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 no. It affects your relationship with God is that big of a deal. The Bible says it like this. Do not judge others and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others and God will not condemn you. Forgive others and God will forgive you. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. It's an interesting statement. The measure you use for others so if you wanna give out a teaspoon, God goes, I got one of those in my drawer. If you wanna give out a cup, he goes, I've got one of those in my cupboard. So how I'm going to measure forgiveness is the measure of forgiveness I'm gonna get back. Now, now understand this, I'm not talking about salvation and your hope of heaven. That is a free gift that we receive at the cross of Calvary. But what I am talking about is your ongoing relationship with God, this connection that you and I are to have every single day with the creator of the universe, that we are to walk with him and talk with him, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. He says, the measure I'm dealing with other people is the same measure God's gonna have with me. And so if I'm not forgiven, giving all of a sudden is blocking relationships, which means it's blocking this relationship. Yeah. And a lot of you have thought, well, it's just between the two of us. No, no, no. It goes way bigger than that. And so my question for you today is, is what are you measuring out? How are you measuring? Because it's affecting your relationship with God. And we need to, we need to recognize that. And then number two, we have to acknowledge our hurts. Because we can't just ignore what happens to us in life, but we have to acknowledge that we actually deal with real hurt and real pain in life. And, and the stuffing is not a good pattern. I need to acknowledge it. David says it like this in Psalm 39 when he's going through a difficult time. He says, so I kept very quiet but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside. As I thought about it, it, the anger burned. Because what happened? If you don't acknowledge the offense and you go, I'm hurt, I'm offended, that didn't feel good. The more that I push that stuff down, what ends up happening is you end up ruminating on that thing. If you don't know what ruminating is, let me explain it to you. It's what cows do when they eat cud. They go and they eat some grass, they chew it up, 
They swallow it, it goes down into a chamber of their stomach, and then they regurgitate it back up and they chew on it some more. They swallow it again, they regurgitate it back up, and that's exactly what a lot of us do with our hurt. We, we take that thing, we chew on it for a little bit, we swallow it, and we go, man, I'm gonna stuff this down, and then we regurgitate it, and you know the next time it comes out, it's a little bit more bitter, it's a little bit more angry, and we chew on it some more, we swallow it, then we regurgitate it up, and before long, man, we're angrier than we've ever been, we're more frustrated than we've ever been because we never addressed it and we never acknowledged it and we never allowed God to heal it. And so we chew and we chew and we chew and what was just a little thing has all of a sudden blown up to something that's great. Where we're no longer in relationship with that person, where we no longer show up to family dinners, where we're, where we're avoiding people because of all of one thing that we just let ruminate and go on longer and longer and longer than it ever should have. It's not a good pattern. And James says this. He says, therefore, here's what you need to do. Confess your sins. Because here's what happens. We start ruminating on that thing. You know what we're doing? When we don't take captive our thoughts like we talked about last week, when we start to dwell on those things, it doesn't just become a thought anymore. It starts to become sin in our life. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. What's interesting here is James doesn't say confess your sins to God. Well, I thought God is the one who forgives me. God is the one who forgives us. First John 1, 9 says, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we'll confess to him. But he says that in order for us to get healing in our life, healing doesn't come from God. Healing actually comes from other people. And a lot of us in our relational world are waiting for God to heal us instead of recognizing that God has given us a way for us to get healed. That's why, that's why we say all the time, man, you need to go all in. You need to get on the dream team. Like, like you picked a great weekend to be at church. Like this is a great weekend to get into relationship and get into a connect group. Why? Because you need some people around you where you can go, I'm gonna take off the mask and I'm gonna start to reveal the bitterness and the hurt that's in my life so that I don't continue to ruminate on it, but I can get it out there and I can have some people that will hold me accountable and walk me through dealing with this stuff rather than care carrying this baggage around into every relationship that I have. And for some of you, that's what you've done. You're like, well, why can't I find any friends? Because you're bringing the hurt from back here everywhere you go because you've never dealt with the hurts. And the way we deal with that is through confession. It's through relationship. And if you don't deal with it, what'll happen is you'll just keep doing that and all of a sudden you'll wonder why in three years you end up divorced. You're like, I thought everything was great. No, 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 you got bitterness and rage in your life that you've never dealt with. And because you are never willing to get in an environment where you could actually get healed. And what's happening is now you're bleeding on people that never cut you. And honestly, church, this is why connect groups are so important. 
It's why I, I will tell you all day long, whether you're a Lighthouse Point watching online, I would rather you go to a connect group than come to church. I'm probably the only pastor in America that would tell you that. Because I believe in the power of community and life change. Life change happens in conversation, not in dictation. And you need people in your life. In fact, I would, my hope for every single person in our church, if, if you start to look through that connect group by, guide, is that every single person in our church at some point would do a freedom group. That you would take the step to heal from the hurts of your past so you can walk into the future of tomorrow. Because if you've still got pain from your past, it's gonna be impacting your present. And so you need to deal with that pain from the past so you can move into the present and all that God has for you. And, and so you've got to confess that wound. You've got, you've got to have some, some people around you where you can get whole and healed. And then number three, you got to pray. You got to pray. And this is going to be a tough one for some of you. In fact, some of y'all, you, you might want to turn your ears off on this one, but because you're not going to like what, what it says. Matthew, Matthew, Jesus is actually saying this. He says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You mean to tell me, TJ, you want me to pray for that person? I don't actually want you to pray for them. Jesus does. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I don't, I don't want to pray for them either. I'm like, you want me to go punch them in the face with you? Come on, you all need, you need somebody from the group before that'll go punch somebody in the face with you. It's not the point of this, this point, but... But there are some things you have to do. Here's why. Because it's hard to keep an offended heart when you're praying good for somebody else. It's hard to keep a negative perspective on someone when you're speaking good things over their life in Jesus' name. And I know it's hard to believe, but over the last 13 years, there, there have been some critics out there of me. And there have been some people that have said some nasty things and posted on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, and I'll be honest, there, there, there are seasons where my heart has gotten way out of, like I, I, I call it pastor porn. If there's negative out there, like I'll, I'm, I'm like sucked into it and I just can't stop reading it. Like I'm just, like I start the ruminating thing. And I've found that those seasons where my heart is getting into this bad place and I'm starting to recognize it, you know how I get my heart out of it? I start going, God, man, I pray that you bless them. God, I pray that everything that they put their hands to would prosper. I pray that their children would be blessed coming in and going out. God, I pray that you would raise them up to do great things for you. And, and I'm not saying it's easy because it is actually hard, but I've found that when I start praying for them, all of a sudden, man, that anger and that resentment and that bitterness and that rage, all of a sudden, it's starts to go away and it's hard for me to stay offended because I'm praying good things over them. And I'm just telling you, some of y'all, you need to start praying faith over some people you got some issues with. You need to start praying some, some grace over them. You need to start praying that God would bless them and uphold them in his righteous right hand, that he would do incredible things in their life. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for those who persecute you and it's not so much for them as it is for you. It's to change your heart. You can't change their heart, but you can allow God to change yours. There's a great verse in Ephesians chapter four. It says, and do not sin by letting anger control you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold. We talked about footholds last week to the devil. How do you keep anger from controlling you? You pray for them. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You're right. But why would you allow a momentary event to trap you for the rest of your life? We, 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 we got to get a grip of the trap that's on your life and realize that that trap is affecting your relationship with Jesus and that person ain't worth it. Like your relationship with Jesus is worth way too much to hold on to something right here. And a lot of us, we value this way more than we value this. And so we've got to recognize that. And we've got to go, man, I'm going to create a new pattern. And I'm going to, I'm going to begin to realize this is affecting my relationship with God and I'm going to acknowledge my hurt and I'm, I'm going to begin to pray good things over that person. And then number four, we have to deal with the root. Because remember a moment ago when I said the blowing up and the guess what and the so what, they're really covering for something that's happening much deeper underneath than that surface level thing. Like it's something that's way deeper and the blow up and the guess what, what that, that really is, it's, it's acting out in a, of emotion to cover up a much deeper wound that has never been addressed. And it's the root. And here's the root. It's rejection. In fact, most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, when you are offended is that on some level, you are feeling rejected. You as a person is feeling rejected. Your thought is feeling rejected. What you bring to the table is feeling rejected. What you wanted to say is feeling rejected. On some level, it always comes back to this root of rejection. And instead of Addressing rejection, what it comes out as is it comes out as all these different sinful responses that keep us tracked. It's anger, it's bitterness, it's rage. We say things that come out of our mouth that we're like, man, I wanna grab that and put it right back in. We give people the cold shoulder. We cut people off. And what is really happening underneath is that we're reeling from rejection. Rejection is springing up as sin. And that sin is affecting me. It's affecting my relationship with God. And I just want to expose the enemy here because the enemy, he wants to expose you over and over and over again to rejection. So that our response is sinful instead of holy. That's why in the book of Acts, they say, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. But I didn't think bitterness, that's, that's, just, that's just me. It's just affecting me. No, you're captive to sin. And sin is impacting you and God. So is it worth holding on to the offense? Is it worth being captive to bitterness and 
full of sin? Is it worth it to keep reliving that, that scenario over and over and over again, getting angrier and more frustrated and being captive? So what do we do? Acts 3.19, repent. Repent. In other words, that means make a 180 and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And here's what I know. What some of us need today, more than anything, is times of refreshing from God. And I want you to advance this year. I want you to know that you aren't going to advance if you're trapped in offense. Now, I don't know what your pattern is, but we all have a pattern. We all have a default pattern, and sometimes it's blow up, and it takes you to places where you never wanted to go. For some of us, the, the pattern is guess what, and we let everyone know in our world, and it sows division, and it sows discord, and it breaks apart families, and it injures relationships. And then some of us have a mentality of so what, and we're just stuffing, and we're like Teflon. Nothing sticks to us, and none of those lead you to the place where God wants to take you. So what does that mean? We have to create a new pattern. And we have to realize and recognize that offense affects me in my relationship with God. And I'm going to acknowledge the hurt with somebody. And I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to talk about the hurt. I'm, I'm going to start to deal with that hurt. I'm going to pray for the aspect that I've taken hold of and allowed it to become sin in my life. And then I'm going to start to pray for that person. I'm going to pray that God would bless them and that God would move in their life and that God would give them favor and, and, and all of those things. But then I'm going to deal with the roots. And I'm going to give that thing to God. And here's what God does. As, as we exchange that thing with him, God goes, here are times of refreshing that come only from me. And for some of us, it's time to trade the offense for some times of refreshing in our life. Offense never refreshes. In fact, it leaves us feeling thirstier and thirstier and hungrier and hungrier. But I believe that God today, he wants to refresh you, not only in your mind, but in your spirit. Would you guys bow your heads and pray? God, I pray right now that this would be a moment of refreshing, that the, the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the offense that have been so present in our lives, that right now, God, that, that we would we would begin to confess that to you. It says, if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what we need right now is we need the forgiveness of God. And God, I pray that you would, you would forgive us right now, that that burden of holding on to that, carrying that offense would no longer be our burden to carry. But God, we hand it to you right now. And God, I pray that there would be a, a transference that would take place, that your times of refreshing would rain down on us right now in a dry and weary soul, that we would feel your power, that we would feel your presence, that we would experience your forgiveness for, for, for the first time, God, in a long time. But I also know that, that for some of you guys out there today, the forgiveness that you need to receive today is the forgiveness that comes directly and only from God. It's the forgiveness that Jesus brings. 
And maybe you've never allowed that forgiveness to really go down deep and flood your soul. And today, I, I wanna give you the opportunity to receive it. The Bible says that we have all sinned. That's not a condemnation on you or on me. That is the reality of our human nature and the brokenness that we have and the condition. It just shows our need of a savior. And this is why Jesus came for every single one of us so that you and I, we can experience salvation. We can experience forgiveness. We can experience reconciliation. But most of all, we can experience relationship with the Father. And maybe you're out there and you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer that changes everything for everybody. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. I'd love to pray with you. Where are you at? Yes, I see you. Thank you. Yes. Who else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? If you'll pray this prayer in your heart, Lighthouse Point, as I prayed out loud, say, God, thank you for giving me the ultimate gift of your son that in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my pain, in the, in the middle of my offense, where I had made a fence around me and separated myself from everyone else, God, you came to tear down every fence that was out there through the gift of your son. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. Come into my life and fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience, your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life and experience your times of refreshing. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.